We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Talking Buffalo, featuring conversations with guests from around the world of sports, media, pop culture, and all things Buffalo. With your host, Patrick Moran. All right, hello. Welcome to Casual Friday Talking Buffalo, part of the Blue Wire Network. By the way, that might be the last time you hear those words for a while. Casual Friday, but today is Casual Friday, which means I am joined by my good buddy, Aaron Quinn from Cover One. Um, Well, I say this might be the last Casual Friday for a while. Because Aaron is going to start doing some Wednesday shows with me, see how that goes. Not next week, though, because your boy's going on vacation. And by your boy, I mean not me, Aaron. What's yeah. up, buddy, man? What's up, dude? I doing? know. I'm already in vacation mode, so I kind of told Greg we did our, we recorded our show last night. And uh, I was fully prepped for the show. I was like, I kind of already got one foot out the door, bud. Like, I'm ready to go. Bailing it in? I, yeah, dude. <laughs> I want to get out of here, man. I love Buffalo, but I need a break. I need to get some sunshine, hopefully. So Aaron's going to be on vacation um, next week, not just from this show, from his show that he does with Greg as well, just life, man, nice yeah. little little family getaway. This is, next week's going to be a big week here, by the way, for people listening right now and watching for Talking Buffalo. I don't know. I don't think I've told you this, Aaron. I mean, we talk literally every day, but uh, five week or not five week, Jesus, five week, five year anniversary. Mm-hmm. Talking Buffalo next week, man. Next, next uh, week will have been around for, Five years. Got a couple of really Crazy. good shows, too. To, uh, yeah, because you were on, I don't want to say right from the get-go, but relatively. I was trying to just think when you said that, like, how many years <clears throat> since like, I started coming on? I got, I bet I am up there with Yerdin as absolutely most far. frequent episodes here. I got to be now. Not even close. Not even close. It, you were right up there before we started doing even this weekly stuff. Not all that long ago. Um. Anyway, next week here on the podcast, um, I'm going to have a podcaster's role. So I got Joe Yernan on Tuesday like I do every week. And on Wednesday next week, I'm going to have a third annual podcaster's roundtable. This is something that I've done now for, for three years, obviously, in a row. Joe Marino, uh, your partner, Greg Thompson over at Cover One, and Bruce Nolan from Buffalo Rumblings. And we get together and we talk about everything except buffalo bills and football mm-hmm. pretty much it's it's a podcast about podcasting uh, i get a lot of uh insight on on their process their style 
uh, some of the things that they try to do that they try to avoid. I, I just think it's a very useful show. Those are three of the best podcasters. Greg um, is going to come on and lie to you. We don't do much. We don't we just get on and start talking. Fair point. And then, by the way, and also next Thursday night, live from Imperial Pizza, I start my uh, series. I'll be there live every Thursday night. Tyler Dunn is going to be with me uh, next Thursday. I'm excited about that. That's going to be fun. I'm going to put like, you on blast, though. I got You got to get me. So I, all these years, all these episodes, and I all I see is you posting pictures of wings with other people. Come on, get me in on this deal. I want some Imperial wings and pizza. I'm going to get down there one of these days with you. This is on tape now because I'm an open invite. Anytime you want to come for a Thursday episode, come. Whether it's just just me, crash you, it like you're up whether, here. And you whether, like it's, here. whether I already have a guest and you come join along or whether it's just you and I sitting down, bro, anytime, man. I'll just crash it like a... <laughs> Uh, late night TV co-host. I'll do <laughs> so, it. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to it, man. That's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, I miss um, having a variety kind of show where I, you know, I have a different guest every week. Sometimes it'll be sports. Sometimes it'll be news media. Um, you know, a couple of business leaders I'll have on. So that'll be fun. And plus, for the first time ever, I mean, you guys literally every time you do a show, you guys do this over at Cover One. But I have never, ever, ever, ever once in five years live streamed the show ever. And we're going to be live streaming these shows on Thursday. So different, you know, can, different beast. Yeah, it is. It is for sure. It is. But, you know, I don't edit. So I was going to say the show. I don't know your other experiences with shows, but how we've always done it. It could be live. Right. Yeah, like you just take this and go. This may as well be live. That's why I always say tape live like you and I right now. I'm not editing. It's too much of a pain in the ass, especially on the video side to do that. So anyway, yep. the show will be live streamed. So if you want to get out to Imperial, Come have a couple drinks or whatever. That's cool. If not, you can watch it live. Um, Thursdays at 7.30. And by the way, before we get going, um, your partner, Greg Thompson, over at Cover One, is debuting a new show. I wanted to make sure yeah. I plug this. Um, in fact, this is just starting um, tonight. I mean, we're dropping this on Friday. So yes. people are going to be hearing this uh, tonight. Uh, is it? It's not tonight? It'll it be from Friday. It'll be, yeah, no, this Friday. So tonight, people who are listening now, it'll be tonight uh the greg thompson show super cool um yeah tell greg, people a little bit about it yeah we've talked about i was just talking to you offline about it. we always have different show ideas and stuff and this is one that he was kind of toying with and i said but just do it right like that that's the thing with making content to anyone out there um i know i'm not going to be on that round table but it, any advice that i have is to just start making content right like sure. the worst thing that's going to happen is no one's going to listen and that sucks but who cares really at the end of the day i've tried different podcasts and stuff not all of them hit but uh, I'm excited for him. He wanted to do it. And I, I really pushed him to go do it and uh, helped him get the logo started. And we have a good network, so he's ready to rip and roll. And he put together a really cool team. Uh, some of the Slack followers from Cover One, some people that people will recognize on Twitter, uh, some funny people. And I saw a little bit of sneak preview what you're going to get. I think, Pat, you'll like it. It's um, outside of the box in terms of he's going to talk about all sports. He's going to talk about pop culture stuff, uh, giving some rankings, power rankings, and stuff like that. I know you're a big power rankings guy, and I'm sure your listeners, if they're still following you after five years of you talking about that stuff, they're probably going to like those conversations coming from Greg. So I think it's just adding uh, to the Buffalo sports community and hopefully beyond. I do think it's, yeah, I love when new shows and new concepts come out because it's nothing against anyone, but, um, and my show is one of the basic, most basic bills talk ones, but we were doing it so early on. I think when people are adding a new element to how they're spinning the podcast, that's when I 
get really interested and want to take take a look because there's a lot of content there's a lot of good content yeah. but there's not always new versions of what they're doing kind of i know you're a big fan of uh if the walls could talk in buffalo one of our new podcasts very Again, much most of our podcasts aren't evergreen you probably have the most evergreen content out in the buffalo sports community but i think they're going to be right there with the stories they tell them the history of buffalo and stuff like that no one was really doing that so we're always looking for hey how can we tap into the market uh where people are yet one of the things I love about if the walls could talk, well, I like the stories, you know what I mean? I'm kind of yeah. a sentimental guy. I like the nostalgia. I like going back and hearing some of the stories. I like hearing about the inner workings of, of contracts and drafts and stuff like that. But to your point, if I miss their show live, I can go back. I can go right now and cover one on the YouTube page and look up stuff from two months ago. And it still has value to me now because it's not the dated, uh, you know, time sensitive material. Correct. Anyway, yeah, we're our great. shows are only good for like a week. <laughs> oh, it's current Bill's content. Yeah, but you guys do it as well as anybody sure. out there. But um, anyway, so I know Greg's excited. I talked to him briefly about it. He's very uh, excited. I, I think he'll do well. You know, I do he's too. got it. He's very, he's a very personable guy. I mean, I he carries our show, so he, he no, he can do it by himself. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, I, I don't know. Carry might be a a bit of a stretch. More of a partnership. Stop being so down on yourself. Yeah, we love each other. <laughs> but anyway, you know, I bring that pod table up with those guys, and that's always been my thing. And you know, going back three years, why I chose to have those three to really talk about Buffalo and, and podcasts, because I think they all bring different elements. And in Greg's case, I just think he's a, I, I really do. I think he's a very likable guy, man. I think he's a very personable dude. He's, he's mm -hmm. worked hard. He's built up himself a, a nice following. I, I, I think the show is going to do well. I, I'm excited to, uh, to watch it. And I told him this, the good thing about doing a show on Friday at night at night and Friday could be a tough sell, you know, but yeah. I told him, I said, listen, I might listen live on Friday nights, but I'm what I'm doing or if not, I'm going to get up in the morning and have my cup of coffee and, you know, check it out on, on Saturday morning. So, yeah, anyway, I'm excited about that. Yeah. Uh, quickly, a stalwart in the Buffalo sports media business after, what, three decades or so mm -hmm. is hanging it up and talking about Howard Simon. Mm -hmm. Good guy, man. I'll tell you, he's been in what, the Buffalo market. I think he came back here for good in, in 1989. Um, he's been on the air with Jeremy now for the last 18 years, the morning show yeah. at WGR. I'll tell you, man, he, he's been on this show. In fact, he was one of my very first guests. I think he was on like episode like 12. This is like 539 or something like that. But anyway, just a, a great guy, man. Very yeah. knowledgeable with sports, but uh, very personal. Like I'm talking, you know, I use that word with, with Greg. I use it with Howard as well, too. A very personable guy, man. Very likable person, mm -hmm. which quite honestly, in this market and I'm sure other markets across the nation with not always mainstream, not always the most likable people. For sure. You know, off the air or, you know, when the camera's not rolling. But Howard mm -hmm. is, a, is a really good dude, man. So anyway, he announced his retirement, not from working, he said, but at least from, from sports media yeah. uh, this week. So he's going to be gone in a couple of weeks. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure you're a pretty big fan of Howard. I'm a huge fan of Howard, man. And uh, I am maybe one of the more aggressive, abrasive uh, Bill's content creators in terms of like going at bigger media dudes. You know, I've gotten into yeah, those absolutely. guys before. I've mm -hmm. got issues with WGR. They let us on. I, I, I have friendships there now uh, with some of the guys, but some of them I have issues with. Howard's never been one. Like in all the years that I followed the Bills and made content, I've never had issues with Howard. The thing I respect most about him is one, he's legacy media, right? Like he went through a period of time in the eighties mm -hmm. and nineties where media was just the radio. It, this was a big deal. Getting Howard Simon in your radio station for WGR was a big get. Like, yeah. I think those days are gone of like, Hey, we're going to go 
to another market or it, within a regional market and go grab a big personality and bring them to our station to headline the radio station. I don't know that younger audiences realize that that's how the game operated back then. He was one of the biggest ones and um, he always maintained that sort of legacy personality, radio legacy personality. And that, the thing that I think was most endearing for me about Howard was as much as things changed and you had guys like Joe B and Matthew Collar and even Jeremy White come along through the station and games evolved and things changed and Howard changed along with it, but he never pretended to be anybody other than who right. he is and who he was. And he never got out of his lane of the sports talk he knew and would talk about. And he would be the first to tell you when something was way over his head or he didn't understand it. And in the, I'm not even in the real media game, but in this game, so many people fake it and you can see it. And there's a lot of people out there and they, if they're out there, they probably know who they are and being true to yourself and staying in your lane is really difficult and egos get in the way. And I'm sure there were times where his ego was challenged by Jeremy up and coming and some of these other guys that are up and coming, but he just kind of stayed true to who he was. And I have the utmost respect for that and what he's done. And I wrote him a really nice note uh, when I heard about the retirement, because I, I tried to do that myself and stay in my lane and stay to what I know. And it's because of guys like that. Um, I look at, I, I honestly am probably going to become a Howard Simon as I age, like a, just a, a whiny bit of a guy. Uh, everything's crickety. I'm he just never, my he old never man takes shoes. Himself, he never takes himself too serious. And that's yeah. one of the things I've always admired about Howard. He's self-deprecating. Don't make fun of himself more you than you it. ever could. You know what I mean? I, he's just a, a really good guy and very accommodating in this day and age. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of people on the air. Like I said, mainstream that are, they're not always accommodating to, to people. That a they lot consider of elitist. Everybody's like, I'm sure. right. I'm the, I, my opinions are it. And he just never, you never got that vibe. From right. Absolutely not. You know, guys like you and Greg and, and Joe Marino, thanks to people like Howard and Parton and Nate Gary, of course, you know, getting you guys on the air on the radio and, you know, really mm -hmm. bringing some attention to what you guys do as well. So anyway, Howard Simon, a, a great career and a great person uh, yeah. here in the Buffalo sports media. On a serious note, and we're going to talk Bills. And by the way, today's main topic, and you know there might be some uh, spinoffs from this topic, but I want to talk about the Bills' weaponry. You know, is it enough right now? And is the problem more that there's not enough talent, or is the problem that it just wasn't deployed at times last year? Again, let's not lose sight of the fact this was a 13-3 team with a very good offense for the most part last year. I don't want to you know, throw that in the garbage. Anyway, before that, big story yesterday in Buffalo, um, convicted mass murderer, uh, that piece of shit that Peyton Gendron was sentenced, and that uh, was a very emotionally charged. It was um, shown live, it was streamed, and saw a lot of emotion from, from family members, and uh, that was really tough to watch, you know, um, the raw emotion from, from, from some of these families, and you know, I know a lot of people were tweeting and, and saying things like, man, I wish these garbage could just turn her back for a minute and, you know, give some of these people a couple of minutes with, with this, uh, with this young man who, who did this anyway, it's just a, uh, it was, I, I'm pretty sure I, I think I, you know, obviously I followed you on Twitter. I, I think you might've had a comment or two about it. It was, it, it was, it was really tough to watch for me, brought yeah. back some painful shit as well. I'll get to that in a second, but for you, it was pretty tough to watch, wasn't it, man? Yeah, no, um. I, t I don't even know that like I fully processed that whole event throughout this summer. I just like uh, I've seen shootings in other places and sort of the uh, distance 
I hate to mm-hmm. sound whatever the distance sort of keeps you somewhat separated. Like you feel bad and it doesn't impact you for a short amount of time, but happening right here. Yeah. Um, I, there, you know, offline we could talk to as just like, there was some personal impact there with this story. And I, I wanted when they, that, father whatever he was jar charged at him i was one of those people that said just let him let him get a couple let him get a couple in you know like uh there's few things that i love more in life than my family um and i'm not a violent person and all i i think it should be avoided at all costs uh i just hate it i'm totally in i'm a very big pacifist but dude like there's that the line is there and like i i get it i get that guy's feelings and i think that we all could have probably benefited from watching it like for a minute, just letting him go. Uh, and I hate that because our society shouldn't operate like that. Like the reason America is the best is we as corrupt as it is. We do have a justice system that allows people to have some innocence, even though we know what they did. Like there's, there's benefits to this, but gosh, every once in a while, there's a case like this where it's just some complete scumbag that just needs, he does need this. You need to see him just take a beating and, that was my ultimate thought, man. I hate everything about that guy. Just, and I, th- I don't think he will get what he deserves in prison. Life isn't a um, life in a prison is probably too good for what he's going to get. And he'll probably be protected in there and be subject to meals and health care. And he probably shouldn't get any of those things. And there'll be a portion of prisoners who will look at him fondly. Disgusting. Yeah, yeah, there will. It's sad, yeah, you're right. You know, it, it, it brought back. For me now, you weren't you weren't living in Buffalo at the time, so I you wouldn't really even know about this story. But let me go back to 2009. A girl who was 24 years old. Her name was Renee Greco. Um, she was a healthcare worker and worked at troubled youth home. Family person. She was family to me. She was murdered. All right, and it was hard. And mm-hmm. I was in court every single day for the whole trial. And the guy was found guilty. And at sentencing. The family asked me to 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 be the one to speak on their behalf. Now this was different when you know what what we saw this week. You know there was ten people murdered, and there's a bunch of different families there representing and stuff. So this was one person and you know one family represented. But anyway, people in the family either a didn't couldn't talk because they wouldn't be able to get through it, or they just they're not talkers. You know. So anyway, I, and I I gab and don't shut the fuck up. So yeah. they asked me to speak on their behalf, and I'll never forget. It was probably one of the hardest things I, I ever had to do in my life was sit there in a courtroom with cameras all over the place because this was a top story in Buffalo. And uh, so the cameras are on, the lights are on, um, seven, eight feet away from a, from a guy who, who murdered a, a young girl whose family to me and having to write down something and address it. And just remember my hands like shaking, you know, anger and, and hostility and, and fear and just wanting to get through it too, you know, pressure to, to not screw up. And uh, sure. I'll never forget it. As long as I live, it was one of the, the, the worst things I, I've ever I had to even. do. And uh, one of the hardest, I don't say where it was definitely one of the hardest things I ever, ever had to do. And I it was even imagine. worse. Well, it was even worse here too, because you know, this guy yesterday, which, you know, crocodile tears, whatever he, he, in a statement, at least, provided some remorse and said he wishes he didn't do it and yada, 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 whatever. Mm-hmm. But the guy that I'm talking about, his name was Anthony Allen, by the way. This is the guy who, who murdered uh, Renee. And some people who are listening might even remember this. But even at the sentencing, he was completely defiant. Like, he insulted the judge. It, it was just, it was disgusting. You know, it was just that feeling that you have inside you when you're 
around pure, unadulterated evil. That's what it was like. So anyway, as I'm watching people speak yesterday and just feeling some of that emotion, I, I related to it, and and I obviously not in a good way because it was just uh just very difficult, man. It's something I hope no one really ever has to experience. It's so hard. I so. have law. I've had loss in my life and trauma um, of people I really care about, and I'm still not over it. Uh, okay. From decades ago, I can I have not lost somebody uh, to murder. I couldn't yeah. imagine the additional pain of knowing there was somebody out there that took that life. Like yeah. I can reconcile the deaths that have happened because there was events, right? Like that, that that's just a really bad break for somebody, but it wasn't somebody took that life. I don't yeah. know um, for people that have to have experience I, that hearing that story for you, Pat, man, like I feel really bad. I I've, I get nervous speaking at like a wedding or a chamber of commerce luncheon or something like that. I couldn't imagine the emotion and pressure. I still talk about my best friend died three years ago. I still talk about it with my wife. If we start talking about him, like, dude, I just fall with emotion. Man, like I tough, still, man. that wound is still there. So, uh, hats off to you. I couldn't have done what you did and the rage. I, I would have just raged yeah. on that guy. I get it. I get why people want to do that. Well, it was just, you know, it was just making me, it was, it, I was remembering that at the same token, I'm just, it made my heart go out even more for the people yesterday and in, in that courtroom and, and what they have to emotionally endure. Anyway, uh, all right, let's talk about something. Yeah, can a, we talk about the bills? Let's get all gloomy. This is casual Friday is shit. This is not supposed to be, you know, shit. I'd rather fight Friday, about Gabe man. Davis than this. Come on, what are we doing? What do you your take? The game's over, and there's nothing really to talk about anymore with the game, mm-hmm. but. So, you know, you're a, a music guy, man. You and I are, are both big music fans. We like a lot of the same stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. by the way, people don't know Aaron and I constantly are on uh, Twitter. Our, our DMs showing or sending each other Spotify tracks and stuff. Some obscure. My, some, my some... favorite thing about you. I tell my wife this. I think I think you and my brother must be like the same age. You had to have been flown around in the same atmosphere. And because I like I'm a little brother, I trickled down a lot of. I think your same era stuff probably before I should have been into it. But also I think our parents must've had similar influences as well, sure. because uh, I'll tell my wife this. I think my music tastes are really cool. And I think that I'm a connoisseur of stuff like hip hop and R and B, but I also have a real cheesy sweet tooth for like air supply and shit like that. And you're uh-huh. one of like the five people I know in my life that will rock <laughs> out some fucking air supply or Brian Adams. Love and air supply. I think more people like it than they know, but you're willing to admit it. And I, I really appreciate that. About you. <laughs> I appreciate that, man. Yeah. I'm a big air supply guy. I grew up, look, man, I grew up, I was an eighties teenager and I, I discovered eighties music and like that on my own, but I was forced in my house because my dad played Motown shit all the time. Same. He's in sixties. Funk. Eyes. Yeah. Yeah, and my wife, by the way, is like eight years younger than me. Same thing with her. I mean, I've never in my life seen somebody who's in their 40s who can know more music than she does. So I'm not even like the most musically inclined person in my own family. It, it's crazy. And then in the 90s, I mean, that was just my favorite era of music ever between R&B and, you know, some alternative rock and, and things like that. But anyway, my point was we're both music people. And when you think Super Bowl, I, I think halftime show and I think, national anthem and stuff like that baby face did america the beautiful um chris stapleton did the anthem let's start with rihanna though like what what were your thoughts on her halftime show how would you rate it so i want to start by saying i don't think of the halftime show i actually don't like the super bowl halftime show i 
I don't always find it to be music. I also then everybody comes out last year's really pissed me off. Everybody came out last year and was like, this is the greatest halftime show we've ever seen. Of course. And like, there's nothing le- le- less inspiring to me than watching like 55 year old rappers walk around the stage. Like I love rap music. Don't get, I will listen I to know it what all. You're saying. My, yeah. But like, I think we were just caught up in our own nostalgia being kids and be like, yo, Snoop Dogg. Like, I don't want to hear it. There's been some fantastic ones, but you can't tell me that one last year was better than Prince's or Michael Jackson's halftime performance. Like I'm not willing to hear it. This one was really good. I was actually taken back surprised. I wasn't interested in it. I wasn't like rushing downstairs to get it. We were kind of putting the kids to bed. Neither of the kids wanted to deal with me. So I came down and watched this by myself. I guess one thing I didn't realize, I don't listen to a lot of radio music, right? I, I'm it, real niche stuff nowadays for mm-hmm. new music. So I know who Rihanna is and like, I know she's talented, but I don't necessarily follow her music. And every song was a hit that I actually knew just like that is out there in the world. And I know that song. And I was like, Oh shit. Like she right. has more of a discography than I thought. Cause when I heard, it, I was like, Rihanna, like, how's this going to play for 20 minutes or whatever? And it was good. Like she legitimately has good music uh, that I liked. The show was whatever. It was fine. It was just another big stage performance. Um, I had no necessarily, stuff there but i was surprised taking back how much music of rihanna's actually knew and liked i i realized that i like rihanna more than beyonce i'm not a big beyonce fan yeah. i'm not i guess i'm not either <laughs> i just i like rihanna more than her i'm not the biggest rihanna fan on earth i like her unique sound i always thought she sounded different um yeah i thought the, the performances yeah. were, were fine i was a little surprised not necessarily complaining this isn't a, a, a necessarily a criticism but I was a little surprised that there weren't guests, you know. Yes, especially my wife asked that when she came down. She collaborates like, with so many people, you know, Eminem and Jay Z was there. I know Jay Z was there because they showed him during the pregame. So I was a little bit surprised that she. Didn't Although have it's got to cost a lot of money when for sure. like Pepsi or whatever when you start getting like ten yeah. guests on some of these things because you're paying all those people and all their expenses and all that stuff. I I, I mentioned this. I I believe it was with Joe Yurden, but anyway, you know, old old man, little complaint here. I guess I'm getting old, but there was one point. Which, because I thought this was like a classy, eloquent, kind of like futuristic performance for the most part, but she grabbed the crotch at one point. By the way, that was edited out on the YouTuber. I know, I was grabbed the crotch, smelled her finger. I'm like, again, I know me and the old guy complaining about shit, but I'm like, why? Yeah. You know, it just didn't kind of fit what she was uh, doing. The as rest a whole. of what she's doing. But I liked her. Isn't um, she pregnant? Yeah, she is pregnant. That's kind I, of I, I, this I mean, is whatever. Her one coming. Hey, yeah. good Look, man, if you're I, a mom, you shouldn't be doing that, but whatever. <laughs> uh, what about uh, baby face? And I caught that. Obviously, you did catch that. I'm a big I, baby face guy. It was a little, it was a little, it was very, very understated performance, which again, I not really can watch that. I did not catch it. No. I, I honestly, the beginning of the game was a lot of it was watching on my phone. Dude, that uh, period of time is like dinner time. Kids are freaking obnoxious. Like I'm trying to get everybody ready for bed. True. So it was a little spotty. Uh, even the anthem, I didn't catch till after. I saw it floating around on Twitter. I didn't catch See, it. Live. But you did catch it after. What, what were your thoughts on that? I don't like either. I don't like the anthem. First of all, I don't like the song. Uh, I think uh, Canada's got a way better anthem than we do. And my kids agree. Whenever Uh-oh. we go to hockey, they walk around <laughs> singing, oh, Canada. Um, I don't like call you an American, Aaron. I don't care. Go ahead. <laughs> I really don't. I, 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 I have no care. nationalism. Um, but I, again, I think I walked away from I, it was a really good version. And I shit on he's a country music guy, right? Chris Stapleton kind of yes. is in that but he's more bl- that's a blues 
right? Like he's a bluesy country guy, yeah. I guess. I, I got to go look into his music because I get shit on country music a lot. I know there's talented people in it. I hate the freaking twang of it, but that guy was more bluesy, mm-hmm. uh, more in my genre. I could see him singing some songs that I like. I was pretty impressed by the sound. I like that sound. Of course, I was going to take to it. He's very, very traditional sounding old school country guy. But yeah, a lot of rasp, a lot of, a lot of blues to him. I, I'm going to tell you right now, more so than the anthem, I just like going back and evaluating performances. Mm-hmm. I spent a good chunk of this week going back on YouTube and pretty much going through Super Bowl by Super Bowl and finding the national anthem for all of them. And mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, I put this on uh, Twitter. I saw it. That was number two for me all time. Whitney's mm-hmm. number one. And I don't, ever see that changing but Whitney I got Whitney Chris Stapleton two, Demi Lovato three that was back in 2020 and I'll tell you man you know all these uh powerful females have done the anthem now um Beyonce and people overpowered I thought Demi Lovato was, was I thought her performance was, was absolutely beautiful and then I had Luther Vandross four and and Beyonce five yeah man I, I was really high on, on Chris Stapleton yeah, start listening to some country. The, by the way, I don't that I'm telling someone else to listen to country. Like I was a big country fan. I'm not a big country fan either. I'm a mainstream guy. I had a, I'm starting to learn a lot of the mainstream stuff. Going to country concerts is fun. Dude, when I tailgate. No, it's not. None of the stuff's fun. I hate it all. <laughs> I really do. I had a girlfriend in my like early 20s, like 1920 that I lived with, and she was like super into country. Her parents were from Texas. And like I get there were some good uh some Hank Williams Jr. some uh, there's a few guys that like, OK, I can concede that there's some good songs, but there's just everything about country music and the culture. Just it totally does not hit with me, dude. I'm a hip hop R&B guy into my blood. Like it, the, the two things are contrasting to me. <laughs> Be right back, folks. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch the busy work use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sports fans who like to wager, which is pretty much everyone these days, I'm here to tell you about Odds Trader, the number one site for all your game day bets. If you're looking for a one-stop space on these interwebs to compare odds live up to the minute, 
Look no further than Odds Trader. Why is Odds Trader so valuable to you? Well, for starters, it's the perfect place to compare betting odds and lines from all the major sports books. Why does it matter? Well, it matters because if you're liking a team, you want to throw down some cash on them, you're getting your choice of what's getting you the best odds, the best lines. It's a chance to find the highest payouts if you're betting the underdogs or profiting the most if you're going to go with the favorites. Odds Trader also allows you to compare all the different sign-up codes and promos from the sports books to get the best deal out there for you. If that's not enough, the Odds Trader app gives you the player stats, key game stats, injury reports, projected game day weather, which could be a huge thing to know in certain situations. Odds Trader also has a bet tracker so that you can keep records of all your games that you have wagers on and all your betting activity. Simply put, Odds Trader gives you quite literally everything you need to make the most informed bets humanly possible. If you're into betting on sports games, any sport, by the way, make sure you go to oddstrader.com slash bluewire. Again, that's oddstrader.com slash bluewire. Oddstrader, the number one site for all your game day bets. All right, I'm back here with Aaron Quinn from Cover One, who does not like the national anthem. He's not a big country music fan. Oh, Canada. I like it, though. You know what? I respect it, man. A lot of people out there, even if they don't like something, they'll say they do or whatever. I'm not scared. Come on. You ain't scared. I do want want to talk about the Buffalo Bills, the offense, the skill players more specifically, and a criticism. Not a criticism. Well, it is a criticism, I guess. Probably... The biggest offseason narrative that we're going to hear, at least between now and the draft for sure, is that this team needs to add more to uh, to the offense. Um, you know, I want to reference a tweet. I want to put it up here. It's from our, our, our buddy, um, the guys at the Rock Pile Report, Drew. All right? And there was a statement. It said, since the Bills waived Kelvin Benjamin in 2018, Allen has played with zero first-round picks on offense. Mm-hmm. Before we get into skill position guys, this is something that I think you're going to agree with. In fact, considering your top priority this offseason, and you said this on the show with Greg last week, your show was to protect Josh better. Um, the Rock Pile Report, I don't even know if I can read it because it's so small, but basically he's saying that he agrees that the offense needs more assets, but then he started naming a bunch of guys um, who were drafted early or you know, first-round picks that just haven't hand out at all and, you know, He's what he's basically saying is that drafting a guy in the first round, a wide receiver or whatever in the first round is a no guarantee yep. that he's going to work out and, and make your offense better. Mm-hmm. And kind of shared the same sentiments. I think in fact, not, I think I know because he says offensive line is greater than, you know, wide receiver or tight end. So I, I guess let's start there when you have weapons, they're great, but if you don't have a line that could block better, it kind of makes it uh not as effective is your mindset changed whatsoever over the last week or so is your top priority still give me a, a, an elite guard through the draft or free agency or trade or tackle more than a wide receiver or a tight end yeah for sure the graphics like that drive me absolutely insane um there joe, sneaky joe is a guy that does this a lot where you find like a really loose stat that is connected to the bills and is true but lacks absolutely all context at all and just put it out there to stir up a conversation <laughs> yeah which i get it somebody's got to do it and those conversations get had and i take the bait all the time and i'll retweet them with something like this is a totally illogical this is a logical fallacy don't listen to this this is another one of those examples like look 
some of the best receivers of all time were not first-round wide receivers. Right. Stephon Diggs is a, been a top-five wide receiver for the last five years in the NFL. He's not a round-one wide receiver. Um, you do get those guys, but it's going to be in the top half of the first round. I think there's a big difference for fans, too, to picking 27 is a different ball game than in picking 12. Like, sure. Totally different. The first round should be two separate rounds almost. Yeah. Um, this idea that I'm all for adding weapons and I'm never going to argue against adding more playmakers to a football team. This idea that it's a top priority need or that, um, you know, you have to, you're required to put your big first asset into it to, to make sure you hit on it. I think these are just total logical fallacies. Uh, if it falls into your lap at 27, fantastic. And you can get it, walk away with a top wide receiver. That'll be a future number one or number two for you. That's a win. If one of these, free agents sort of loses musical chairs or maybe even OBJ is willing to take less now that the receivers coach that he played with maybe take a one-year deal. Something happens where a good deal falls into your lap, a trade possibility where you can ex- give an extension. Take it. Absolutely. Take those weapons. But to, uh, this idea that it's one, that the Bills weapons are so bad that it needs to be the top priority, I think is a little bit over the top, too knee-jerk of a reaction. Um, and, and it's just not. It's a conversation right now that seems to be lacking that middle ground you're either i we need to take and prioritize it or people are like oh no everything's fine i think it's somewhere in the middle the the weapons probably need some tweaks they need to find ways to get the guys they already have the ball a little bit more but it's going to change it's going to be a different room it's just a variance of how much the bills actually are going to be able to spend on it with their limited assets and to rock Powell's report like I do think there is a, a weapon in getting offensive linemen that people aren't discussing that as a weapon in itself too. A good GM. And you, you talked about this. We all talk about this. A good general manager will pay a guy, not based on what he's done, you know, but based on what he's going to do. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. when you get a contract, well, when I kind of like, so when you evaluate a player, I feel like it's only fair that you do the same, you know, and I'm, let's throw contracts out the window, but okay. So the bills, don't have enough weapons if that's a criticism. Well, maybe they do, maybe they don't. So I, I guess what I'm asking you is this, and I want to start with the running back, James Cook. Mm-hmm. We saw what he's done. I mean, he's only been in the air one league. Yeah. But you, you project him now, you know, like I said, just like you would with a, with a free agent. And when you're going to, you know, evaluate how much money he is worth. Yeah. You look at a guy like James Cook right now, what do you see with him? Because, by the way, for a third straight year, we are headed towards mock draft season where, uh, late round running first round running back is going to be a very hot topic discussion. Sure. It was with Travis Etienne two years ago. Last year it was Brees Hall. This year it's going to be Machine Robinson. We could already see that coming. Yep. Um, Najee Harris was in that uh, yep, with yep. Etienne a couple years ago. Yeah. Yep, no. Years uh, ago. What's your What's your thoughts on yep. James Cook right now going so, forward? What do you think of him? Yeah, we addressed this a little bit in the show last night when we were talking about uh, which free agents were prioritizing bringing back for the Bills. Was our show last night a little bit and. The Devin Singletary conversation has to do with James Cook. And my take there was, yeah, I would welcome Devin Singletary back. But whoever comes in, whoever loses that musical chair as a running back or fifth round pick running back needs to be behind Cook and Hines. Like I am all in on a backfield that features James Cook and has a lot of Naheem Hines in this offense. I think they're both weapons that you need to find ways to manufacture touches. Uh, Josh Allen's comments on the Kyle Brandt show about, hey, this is it's the Casey's league. And if you want to win, you got to beat them and you might have to copy 
some of what it is that they do. Well, if you want to copy it, find ways to get those guys the balls in, the ball in space. And so I'm all in on James Cook. I was not super high when we drafted him. I know you were. My producer, Chris Kepner, you know, early in the season was really telling me like, hey, man, you're too low on this guy. And I was. I was way too low. He improved over what I saw from him out of college. Uh, it wasn't just playing in a great Georgia offense. That explosiveness is real. His patience is better than I anticipated. He's not a CJ Spiller where it's just bounce outside and, and always trying to bounce outside. Like if he can continue to grow and improve. And again, if we protect Josh Allen, I think a secondary thing of that is the run game should also get better with improved line. I think you'll see like a real explosive season from both those running backs. So I'm all in on, on the running back room as is. I think it fits the modern NFL and what you need. They might be lacking the sort of short yardage dude, but Josh Allen can do a lot of that. And I do think Reggie Gilliam can get in and do some of that stuff too. Uh, but they might not be the most well-rounded room, but it's it could be very explosive if Dorsey gets those guys the ball. Going back a year or so ago with James Cook drafting in the second round, and it was like, all right, well, this kid's fast and he can catch the ball well out of the backfield. By the way, we're talking about weapons. You know, the deployment of weapons with the Bills left something to be desired because I, I still get really annoyed when I look at the box score of that Bengals game. James sure. Cook having zero targets has got to be one of the most annoying numbers that, that I uh, recall looking back at that game. But anyway, so if we were playing buy or sell right now as a game, you'd be buying James Cook as the, the number one running back going in the next year, picking with a bigger role and more opportunity that he could be mm-hmm. a guy that produces big. I think so. Yeah. Good. I'd be buying. What about, we talked a little bit about him last week. I know you're not as high on him as you are James Cook, but I, I think he's going to be a guy who's going to have a pretty prominent role on this team. I'm talking about uh, Cleo Shakir mm-hmm. going in the year too. Because again, you gotta, you know, you don't got a ton of cap room. You're not going to be making a ton of moves. Some of the guys who are young guys who had smaller roles last year, I think the Bills need to count on them to uh, step up and have bigger roles as they grow into to players. What, what, what's your thoughts right now on Khalil Shakir? I know they're not as high as uh, some others. Well, maybe I'm I, wrong. Yeah, no, I, um, I'm really in on Khalil Shakir. I think I, I really was impressed with him at camp. I know he made some mistakes early. It's going to happen. Um, I, I'm hoping that he improves upon those. I, I really liked what we saw late in his limited usage late in the year. He made some big catches. He got some nice yards after catch. Like he always seems to be going forward. Said it a bunch. People kill me all the time. I see a lot of Robert Woods in this kid. I think he's faster and more athletic than he yeah. appears. The way he plays is a little slouchy. Like it, he doesn't look like he would be an athletic guy that can go up and make contested catches and, and run pretty fast, but. Uh, Bruce, Bruce Nolan, I think it was tweeted out during some, some of the conversation this year that he had the same 40 time as Isaiah McKenzie. Like he is a fast gadgety guy. Again, that you can get the ball in space. Plus I think he can do a little bit more inside outside. So I see, I see the tool. I see the, that he could be a nice tool in this offense. It's now just taking those steps and, and really matching the development to meet the expectations. Um, and I, the word out of the senior bowl because he was a senior bowl player uh, before the draft uh, was that the bills are really excited about his development going forward next year. And I think that is one of these things that going into camp is going to be, in my opinion, maybe one of the things I'm watching the most is who is it that takes that step? Like Gabe Davis is really closer to that really good number two wide receiver than I think fans are talking about right now. But I do think Khalil Shakir can push for being a guy that gets more of the targets in this offense. And this could be a big summer for him. Everyone knows Stephon Diggs is one of the best receivers in the NFL. Gabe Davis, it's a very mixed bag. It depends on who you talk to and mm-hmm. you know where you fall with him. 
But again, you talk about the Bills collection of weapons. I think it falls on guys like Cook and Shakir stepping up in second in their second year, which again, you draft, you develop players, and this is why mm-hmm. good teams consistently stay good. And then another guy who, you know, he was really good in 2021, and he was good last year too, but like early in the season, like Dawson Knox just it didn't feel like he was being deployed much in the passing right. game. But as the season went on, you know, the, the numbers improved. I, I think he had touched on like six streak or something like that. I don't know. He put it this way, without me having the numbers in front of me, I know he was far more productive in the back half of the season. Um, he's another guy though, right? It's like yeah. you, you got to get him the, the ball more than they did early in the year. After he signed that contract, I remember, you know, our, our favorite person in the world, Joe uh, from Queens, their Buffalo wins, was always bitching and criticizing about Knox because of his numbers. I'm like, well, he looks like a blocking tight end right now. I'm talking about early in the season. But yeah, yeah. Point being, is he's a key to – is he a weapon that is that you're fine with? Like, do you need to go out and you need to try to upgrade the tight end position or do you just think there's more room for him to continue growing? I've been way in on Knox since the jump. Um, I was the d- – Joe Marino and I were really the defenders of we don't need a trade for Zach Ertz. Like I, Dawson Knox is going to take that. Yeah, I remember he's that. Got all the tools. This is a good player. He's got the blocking down. Like he's progressed exactly where you would expect a guy that played quarterback his entire life. Ran a super limited route tree. Got very limited experience playing with what was AJ Brown, DK Metcalf. Like there was three wide receivers that all got drafted in the NFL on that team. Like the again, we lack the nuance of where did this kid start when he came into the league. And at a position that is really it takes three years to develop for almost everybody. And he's developed steadily as he went. He's had some really weird moments throughout his career. I think in 2021, he got COVID and then he got hurt and there was just like a dip in production and those things happened. And then this year he lost his brother. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, dude, I've lost some friends. Like I couldn't, I don't even know. I couldn't even imagine then going to play through that. I'm not making excuses for him, but it, there's just been some weird stuff, but he's still produced. And especially when given the opportunity, I was very frustrated. If there's one thing I was most mad at it is how Dorsey utilized Dawson Knox this year. I want to see more. I tweeted it out. I, I really do believe he could be your secondary pass catching weapon in this offense and you would still have one of a, a top five offense. And people were like, he's not that guy. I think he's not a Travis Kelsey, but you can't tell me that he's not. He can't be up there with Mark Andrews and Dallas Goddard and some of these other guys that are game changed. Uh, Darren Waller, when playing at his best, like, he has that athletic ability. He has that big play ability, but he was the fourth guy in almost every uh, offensive game plan throughout the season. He's got to be up there more in targets. You've got to do the same for Gabe. Like those two should share that as a 2B role, that production, in my opinion. So you're not saying that the Bills shouldn't add to, to the wide receiver room or to the tight end room or to the running back room, again, whether it's a... a I think slot's probably the whether, biggest right? ad you need. Like, you look at these the weapons as a whole. It. As yeah. a whole, right now, as things stand, you don't feel like this team lacks weapons, do you? I don't. I, dude, people were putting it out right after they got bounced from the playoffs. They said, look at the weapons from these other teams. And like, sure, I think you can make a case for the Eagles. I think you can make a case for the Bengals, but I don't think it's far off. I, I really think the Bills are right there on par in terms of weapons. They've got a top five quarterback in the NFL, which matters the most of everything. You have a top five receiver over the last five years. It, like, again, Gabe Davis, the conversation about him is way overreactionary. He is closer to average on par, which isn't the worst place to be uh, again. I think you had the playmakers at running back. You just weren't getting the production out of them. To me, it's more, and this was the conversation we had for years about Brian Dable. When people wanted to fire Brian Dable for years, 
it was execution uh, then. And I think that some of it was, again, this year, we're having a way different conversation if Josh Allen and Gabe Davis connect on the three wide open plays that he had. And the Bills are even, even if they lose that game, are a lot closer in that game. I think a lot of it boils down to execution. I don't think a lot of it boils down to utilization. And we're conflating that to, hey, we need more weapons that are just going to rise all the talent level of everybody else. What good is another weapon if Ken Dorsey isn't getting them dialed up into this offense, right? Yeah, and and listen, having you know this, having a conversation about Ken Dorsey being here is pointless because he's not going anywhere. So yeah. why bother? Do you? Yes. I guess. I, but I can ask you this: Do you feel confident? Do you have confidence in him that going in the year two? You know, maybe he had to learn a lot of stuff to learn this year. Do you have confidence in him going in the year two that he will find a better way to utilize James Cook, to utilize Dawson Knox, to utilize? Leo Shakir, assuming he's going to have a bigger role with this football team to get Gabe Davis the ball more, to, to get Stephon Diggs, move him around the field more, maybe line him up in the slot more, stuff like that. I remember Brian Dable early on. Mm-hmm. In fact, not even early on, going in the early 2021 at times, the Bills were calling for his head, fans were calling for oh, his yeah. head. So I get that. But do you honestly, you, you look at him, do you have confidence that you're going to see a big jump from Ken Dorsey? Because I think that's as important as a question as – who the Bills may add to this uh, offense coming up in this offseason. I, I don't have a good answer for that. It's maybe like a 50-50 proposition for me. I, mm-hmm. I'm in the camp that I do believe, and um, I know my own guys at Cover 1 put out some terrible-looking numbers of the season splits between weeks 1 through 9 and 10 through uh, the playoff loss. I'm still in the camp. I do believe that Ken Dorsey improved and got better as the year went on. Uh, I think there's some metrics that support it. Uh, I believe the utilization of Dawson Knox got better as the year went on. The running game and the production from the running game got better as the year went on. They hit a really bad stretch of games from the Pats game to the playoff loss, which is going to make those final end of the season numbers look way worse, I think, in terms of the dip in production. I think people are taking the comments made by Stefan Diggs that the offense was harder and the offense was worse in the second half and conflating that to that it was just worse and they didn't get improve or change anything uh, for the better. I don't think that's true. I, th- I do think he slowly got better. Uh, he still wasn't doing stuff that to me seems pretty obvious of how to use some of your players and get the most out of them, especially in those bigger games as the year went on. So hopefully um, the thing that I think gives me the most hope Pat is I do believe Sean McDermott's not scared to have those conversations. And I think they have the analytics and they have the same information that we all do. Um, I think Joe Brady being in the room matters. I think um, having an Aaron Cromer who has had success in that room matters. Adding Adam Henry, who has had a ton of coaching success and managing big personalities. I think all this stuff matters. I think they need to actually get Steph, Josh, Gabe, uh, Knox, offensive line guys in a room with the coaches and probably have some really uncomfortable, honest conversations about what, where this offense needs to go. Cause it seems from Steph's row through media row and even Josh on Kyle Brantz, it seems there's like a little bit of tension knowing that they didn't meet the moment, didn't meet the pressure on uh, fans feel it. I think the, the, the team feels it. And I, I'm hoping them having the leadership council and, and having player driven leadership they can have these conversations and get to where they need to go. I think if everybody can put their egos aside and be like, hey, this is the, sh- the stuff we need to start doing to get the most out of this offense, I really do think they can unlock it. But I, I don't know. Right now, I'm a little bit torn because sometimes coaches just double down into their own philosophy and what they think and how things should go. So I don't know where Ken's going to go. 
in this, but there's a lot of smart voices in that room at one Bills drive, regardless of what people want to say about McDermott and the coaching staff. Like these are smart football people that are in charge. I do think they're going to have the right conversations. I, I think as podcasters or media people and fans, et, et cetera, we always kind of narrow in on one or two things to blame when, when something doesn't go right. And in this case, you know, you look at the offense, especially down the stretch in that Cincinnati game, yeah, Ken Dorsey did a lousy job, but you know what? Josh Allen did a lousy job and not seeing receivers that were open or making some bad throws. Gabe Davis did a lousy job and, you know, more drops than we want to see. So there, there's a lots of blame to go around. It's not just Ken Dorsey. It just seems like, and it's not the Buffalo Bills and their fans. It's every team, I think. Every fan base narrows in on one or two guys and, you know, they're, 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 uh, they're the punchy bag. So proven otherwise, I think that's going to be uh, Ken Dorsey. Real quick. Bills named a wide receiver coach yesterday, Adam Henry. Yeah. Um, I never heard of him. I'm just being honest with you. Worked with five NFL teams. I'm looking to step up. 12 years in the NFL, 13 in college. His claim, claim the fame is he's worked with he's worked with uh, Adele Beckham three different times. Once in college, mm-hmm. twice in the NFL. I'm sure you and Greg did a little bit of homework on him. Uh, got any thoughts on him? Yeah, I, I think it's... Um... One, we were doing the Twitter spaces when Chad Hall got released or allowed to make that lateral move. It was weird, right? Like, I think a lot of people just assumed there was some big problem. It actually comes out like his wife wanted to get back to Florida. And this was probably a good career move in terms of being able to move up. It doesn't seem like the Bills are moving on from Dorsey. And maybe Joe Brady is that next secession in line. Uh, And Jacksonville's a fantastic opportunity for a wide receivers coach when you look at that room and you look at trevor lawrence and what they're doing so it all makes sense once the dust settled uh but the thing i was left with was like how much do i care all right like we've heard good things we've seen these videos of cole beasley giving them a truck and like everybody celebrating him and Mm -hmm. he's a good by all means seems like a good coach the room has had pretty decent production we're unsure of his ability to develop or or whatnot how much do position coaches matter and I kind of kept coming back to like, there always seems to be good ones that you can replace guys with are all around the football world. And I think this is the case. Like, I I don't know a ton about the guy, but he's got a lot of experience. He seems to be someone that people want in their organization. Uh, The thing that stood out to me the most, I think everyone took the having worked with Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham as like, Oh, free agent targets, which I get uh, they are going to want probably guys that he's coached before. And, there's obviously a connection with the bills being possibly in on Odell. So I'm not dismissing that at all, but I went right to how people feel about Steph and Steph getting frustrated with Josh Allen in that moment in the big game. And some of the stuff that he said on media row, how people took that. I do think Steph is a highly emotional competitor and he wants to win more than anything. I don't think there's a problem, but I do think managing personalities is a real skill for coaches. And that was my first thought was like, okay, he's been, I think some of the rub, about Odell is overblown. He is just a super emotional competitor that's been in some really weird, shitty situations. He spoke up about it. Like, that's totally fine with me. Steph's kind of the same way in some of that regard. So to me, it was kind of interesting that, hey, we have a guy that's used to some really large personalities that have been in some tense situations. He probably knows how to handle these personalities. And that's a benefit to me, uh, in my opinion, because I do think there is probably some tension right now in that room. Quickly, Tremaine Edmonds, polarizing topic. For the last couple of years, has been, is he worth the contract? Mm-hmm. Now, I don't think that's the case anymore. I think almost everyone sees that he is worth keeping around. I really mm-hmm. don't think that's a debate anymore. Yeah, I do. Okay. But, but, you know, Joe from Queens earlier this week on the show said, and he, in fairness to him, whether he's right or wrong, he's been steadfast for like three years now, invest in the offense. Offense wins, outscore teams, 
take your biggest resources and put him into the offense. His philosophy is score 35 points a game and everything will take care of itself. Anyway, Mm -hmm. you re-sign Tremaine Edmonds. If you do that, and I do ultimately think they're going to, by the way, Mm -hmm. but if they do, that does probably come at the expense of being able to go out and free agency and sign a top-tier guard or tackle or a wide receiver. Now, I don't have a list in front of me. I really don't know who the top guys are, and I really don't care at at this moment. I guess what I'm asking you is, Mm -hmm. do you think re-signing Tremaine Edmonds should be the bigger priority over taking that money and allocating it to a very expensive offensive addition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. I We talked about it on the show last night. I gave it a five-star rating of how bad I think you need to bring Tremaine Edmonds back into this uh, lineup. You're losing Jordan Poyer. He's an all-pro in the middle of your defense. I don't think there's a scenario where he comes back. Um, Me neither. Maybe his market totally crashes, and there's only a good one, two-year deal that's really a one-year deal for him here. Um, I don't see it. I don't see that being the scenario in play. So you're having a big loss. You're, you're going to be without Von Miller for more time than Von Miller is going to tell you. You're going to be without him, and he's going to have to recover from injury. So that's another all-pro player you're losing. Again, Mike Hyde back from injury. Don't know how that's going to play out. I don't want to take another real big, whole, substantial loss in this defense. And we know uh, metrics show that this defense is substantially different without him in there. Uh, it, to your point, you made an investment in him early with a first-round pick. And you've worked that investment and now you have an opportunity to pay him for the work, the, the growing that investment. I just think it's really, yep, it's good business to invest in a young player that can do so many of the things that he can versatility wise. It's a really important role in this defense. I just, I, Greg was a little more out on it than me. He's more on the fence of sort of Joe's thinking like, Hey, well, we could, it's a lot of money to tie up but in all this stuff. My thing is, you know, Greg can whip up a contract that's a seven-year contract that doesn't look so, so bad here the first year or two, and the cap's only going to go up. This deal will eventually look better, I think, than people are going to be mad. But my point is, the only thing that's frustrating to me is the second he gets paid, all these haters are just going to be a lot louder because his game isn't going to change substantially in how people view him. Uh, but I do think it's important. I, I, I absolutely am dead set on you got to get this guy. The only way you don't is if some team like the Giants with a ton of cap just comes out and blows him away with a ton of money, six, seven percent of it or something guaranteed, whatever it is. Getting him to just an offer you can't you can't compete with. I don't want to get in a bidding war for him, but I I think this is a deal that maybe gets done ahead of free agency, like the Me day too. before or something like that, and they just get it done and it looks real big and it goes across the ticker tape as some huge massive contract but when we look at it it'll be structured in a way that they can absorb it two uh quick points piggybacking off what you said when it comes to jordan Poyer, i also think that he's going to go somewhere else i think pride and this is not a criticism because i don't blame him i think pride to an extent if he gets people are saying if he gets you know if the market's not great and he gets a lower offer he might just come back to buffalo i don't agree with that i think if he gets a lower offer he's going to feel insulted by buffalo based on what he's given his team and what he's done. I think he would mm-hmm. find a contending team, maybe Miami. Or, Cincinnati uh, might be losing. Cincinnati, exactly. So I could see him if the money's the same, but it's low. Not KC might money. be losing Thornhill. Yeah, so I could see him going to a contender on a, a lower money deal. Not necessarily. A lot of people think, well, if you don't get a big contract, it's just going to come back to Buffalo. I don't agree with that. I think if Buffalo doesn't come up with a contract that he thinks respectful to him and his play, he's going to go somewhere else regardless. Tremaine, yeah. I agree with you. I, I, I agree with you 100%. I think it sets the right tone. You're rewarding a guy that you drafted and developed. He's the quarterback of the defense. And 
And the other part is this, which is what we've been talking about. I don't know that the Bills need to add a, a high-ticket weapon to this offense. I think that it can be with better coaching and, and yeah. just better execution. And I think they have enough weapons, and, and they got guys. Aaron, these guys that we're talking about, there's no one on this offense. Cook, even Diggs, Davis, Shakir. I'm not going to bother mentioning McKenzie or Crowder. Knox, these other guys, they're, they could also be ascending. You know what I mean? It's not like they oh for sure. They haven't peaked. They haven't bottomed out yet. You know no. what I mean? They were, they haven't uh they haven't gotten as high as they can go. So there's room for them to improve. And well, go ahead. Well, the important part of this conversation too is that we live in this world where it's uh well, we've got to get a guy in free agency. One, I think the free agency class for adding to offense isn't good. I don't think you're getting a top end interior offensive lineman. Like maybe you can buy in on a guy that's ascending. Uh, I think there's some in there, Ben Powers. Um uh, Reisner would be guys, but these aren't locks to come in and be solid uh, interior offensive linemen. The wide right. receiver is the same. Like Jacoby Myers is headlining this. And I like Jacoby Myers a lot as a player, but I don't think you add Jacoby Myers to the bills and all of a sudden everybody analyst is like, Oh shit, watch out for these guys. Right? Like it, you're not finding that. I do think Tremaine Edmonds is this happens a lot in basketball uh, where a guy returns from an injury after a year or two. And there's a huge addition in getting your own guys back. If you lose Tremaine Edmonds, that's a hole. Even if you replace it with a pretty decent linebacker for a year, you're downgrading. Bringing him back on a long-term deal is your big free agent acquisition. It just doesn't feel great because it's not new right. and there's frustrated fans. But that's a retaining your own guys is good free agency additions as well. And in, when it comes to offensive weapons, we're not saying that they shouldn't add and draft. Of, you know. The draft, exactly. It could be a high pick. It could be a first round pick. You know yeah, what I mean? I'm in a. I'm also in a position right now where I, I don't as much care about the future. Where I would move some future draft picks if an opportunity came up to add the right weapon, where we could get a really cool sure. extension that works within the framework of our cap. Like those, there, uh, there's many ways and opportunities to add talent in the NFL. You just got to be ready to do it. And I think Brandon Bean is a creative GM. Where I do think. At some point here, he will pull the trigger on another. Hey, we'll send a future first and a third or something for a real big weapon. There's just ways to do it. It doesn't have to be free agency. It doesn't have to be at the expense of Tremaine Edmonds. Couldn't agree more. Um, well, so you're on vacation next week, maybe starting like two weeks from now, we'll start to focus on some of the uh, potential wide receivers in the draft that you think might be good fits uh, for the Bills. Before we get out of here, I, I, we got to get to our finish the sentence uh, segment, our weekly segment and in the podcast where I think fans get a, Opportunity just to know a couple more little fun facts or human interest things about you. Let's just jump right in. Um, there's three of them. Something I'm constantly trying to get better at is blank. For me, it's uh, controlling my anxiety. Yeah. I get I get real bad anxiety. Uh, battled with it on and off for years, but just keeping myself level and less stressed. That's my constant battle. It's a good one. Mine is, uh, you know, I, I judge people too much, man. And I'm, I'm constantly trying to work on not judging people who do things like differently than I do, whether it's their social life, how much they go on and they drink now as I get older and I've kind of slowed and, you know, dialed it back a lot or uh, mm -hmm. music that they like, you know what I mean? Like, really? Yeah. You like, you like that music? Like people who like current hip hop, I hate current hip hop and I am yeah. a, I love rap music. I just hate current hip hop. So, yeah, I'm always judging people like, uh, whatever, man, political views, stuff like that that might be different than mine. So constantly trying to work on not being judgy. Mm -hmm. All right, two more here. I, um, like if I had to lose all forms of social media except for one. I would choose to keep. Like, I hate this. I, it's Twitter. 
I keep Twitter because <laughs> I hate myself. I've gone away from Twitter before. It's the worst, um, but it's also the best, right? Like I hate Facebook. I don't even use or go on my Facebook. Um, Instagram's kind of cool, but it's a little addy, spammy stuff too. And I get the most interaction out of Twitter for what I do uh, for the network. Our net, it blows away any social media interaction. Twitter is absolutely the place to be if you're making content for Buffalo Bills. So I don't think I can live without it. Yeah, I got to agree. I don't give a shit about Snapchat. I have Instagram. I look at my Instagram. I don't think I've posted on Instagram in three years. I think I might have yeah. had like maybe three posts ever. I like Facebook more than you do. Um, it, it's a good way to stay in touch with family and friends. However, mm-hmm. and it's a good way to catch up with old people that you went to school with and stuff. But once you do catch up, it's not as fun anymore. Yeah, but yeah for me, it's Twitter 100% too. Between the content, I'm addicted. You know, forget about the podcast and promoting our stuff. That goes without saying. But it's like, it's where I get my news from. 90% of my news that I get is from Twitter. It's not from websites, not from TV anymore. And the best thing about Twitter is uh, like when news happens or something like crazy happens, like I'll get on and see Pete Davidson trending and I know it's going to be fantastic memes (laughs) and stuff like that. Like there's no better place for jokes when stuff's going on than Twitter comes out with just meme after meme. And it's that in itself is worth sticking around. Agreed 100%. All right, last one here. If you could have one musical act come to Buffalo in 2023 and have the best seats in the house for it, you would choose... Yeah, this one's going to be real specific, and I, a lot of people probably don't know. I just introduced you to them, I think, this week. It would be the Foreign Exchange. Is mm-hmm. one of my, It's just like a super personal, absolute favorite of mine and my wife's. I would bring her. It would be a nice date night. Um, for those that don't know, it's uh, Fonte is the lead singer, and Fonte was uh, a member of Little Brother, the rap band, which is a fantastic rap group in itself. Um, and then Nicolay is a, a producer, and they, they just make really good. They have an R&B collective. That I know you don't love new music all the time, Pat, but in my Typically, opinion, I don't. In my opinion, I think they have done a really good transition of that like newer sound of neo soul and synthesizers while maintaining like a pretty traditional R and B uh, sound. So it's absolutely something I love, and I would definitely. I don't love doing live shows anymore, Pat. Like I don't go out for that stuff as much as some people that like music, but I would want to support this band. And I think that's the way you support somebody is go see their music live. I agree. And you have been forcing them down my throat. And I have started liking some of the music. It's got kind of, it's it's grown man. Very vibey. I consider really good music to listen to. Like when I'm doing something in the background real quick here. So we got to get out of here. He was here in Buffalo six years ago or so. I would pick Bruno Mars. I was living in Florida at the time. I I didn't get to see him in Buffalo. I was living in Florida at the time, 2017. Just thought a good show. And he reminds me, his music's awesome. And he reminds me of of the old. He'd be a Motown. He'd be a Motown act, yeah, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Smokey would love him. Yeah, 100%. All right, guys, we're going to get out of here. Thank you very much for, for watching, for listening. Make sure you follow Aaron on Twitter at EricQuinn716. Check out Cover One Buffalo Podcast. You guys are doing Wednesdays during the off season. Make sure you check out Aaron's partner, Greg, the Greg Thompson Show, Friday nights, 9 p.m. on the Cover One channel as well. Thanks for doing this, buddy, as always. You, and uh, also, have a, have a fun vacation. Going to miss you next week. Thanks, dude. Miss you. All right, guys. Talk to you later. Have a good weekend. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.